Yes, I said it, the Kinky Hair Culture Podcast. I hope everyone's having a wonderful, wonderful week. And if not, always remember this. As long as God gives you the opportunity to wake up, go after your dreams, okay? Get Start doing things that you want to do with yourself, okay? But don't be selfish. Still be there for others. You know the whole nine yards. In today's episode, we had the honor of interviewing Miss Kanisha. Tillman, the CEO of Tutus and Tennis Shoes. One of the things I liked about this episode was she always kept it real, okay? I'm talking about real, okay? She didn't care. She said it was on her mind. And she gave her actual thoughts about cosmetology and how to educate people on taking care of their little children's hair. So I'm not going to give you all the details because I really want you to sit back, take the time out, and listen to this episode because you're really going to like this one. And leave your thoughts. Let us know what you think about it. Always leave your comments. Email us. DM us. The whole nine yards. Let us know what you think about this particular episode. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. How are I'm, you? I'm doing all right. That's, That's awesome. <laughs> look, I've been trying to get you on this for a long time. I know you're a busy woman. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're fine. I've been following you on Instagram. Can you take the time to introduce everybody? To I mean, introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah. Well, first, let me say thank you for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity and I appreciate your patience. (laughs) Um, Hey, everyone. My name is Kanisha Tillman. I am the owner of Tutus and Tennis Shoes, which is a hair care education company. And I specialize in teaching black hair care to white adoptive parents. Okay. Can you give a little breakdown of exactly what you do? Sure. So um, I started the business as a brick and mortar children's salon in Des Moines, Iowa, and transracial adoptive families found me. And as I serviced their children and had great hair appointments with them, I started to see that they needed more than just um, a salon to go to to get a hairstyle um, because some of the parents are even traveling from out of state. And so I, yeah, it was, it was kind of surreal when, you know, they would come in, I felt so honored and I almost, you know, there was some, um, what is that when you don't feel like you're worthy? Like y'all drove all the way here. It was some of that, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, sorry, let me get back on track. So (laughs) no, you're fine. You're fine. It's all about you. So you're fine. I want everybody to know exactly what you do and how you're helping (laughs) everybody. So when I, um, I think, you know, out of that mindset of like, 
which I guess is not great, but a great thing came out of it. But thinking like, wow, you drove all the way here for me um, or for this experience. So your child could have this experience with me. I always felt like I I needed to do more. And I started to see that they needed more. Um, They needed more than just those appointments here and there. And after you're traveling, you know, making a day trip out of this, that appointment is not going to happen. Uh, more than once, maybe twice a year. So I wanted to see ways that I could serve them. And people asked me to educate them. And so, you know, I started teaching online in a Facebook group and it was a bit of a mess. I always describe it as my janky class. But through that, I saw that there was success um, in this teaching model of like teaching online and how I teach and how I talk and what things I remember to talk people through and like how I break down information. And so I started seeing families have success with their child's hair. And I started getting feedback about their child's confidence increasing and about, you know, their connection with their child increasing. And um, they're getting compliments in, in the stores and at parks and things now. And, you know, the kids are feeling really good about themselves. And so when COVID hit, um, a friend of mine or associate at the time, she specializes in all things branding and branding photography and all that. And she's like, I need something to keep me busy. You've been wanting to upgrade this class. Like, let's do this. Let's start this project. So initially it kind of started as just like rebranding my logo. And then she's one of those people that once she gets a hold of something and she has like, uh, she knows that she can do it well, she'll go all out. And so that's what she did. She rebranded for me and we put the class on a different platform And so now majority of the service that I offer is this wonderful evergreen online course all about taking care of your black child's hair and it's science-based. So we go through the very beginning of like how hair grows, how we choose products, and then we go into some cultural expectations and why it is important. And we talk about age ranges and what hairstyles are appropriate for what age and just really the building blocks of great hair care. Um, And so that's pretty much I mean, I do have a product line and those are my main two focuses of my business. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what I do. The sh- like the shortest version, I guess. <laughs> you said on Facebook when you first started out doing this whole experience on Facebook, it was a mess. What went wrong and how did you fix it to going forward? Well, so I think I'm a little dramatic, but it was kind of a mess. Like on my end, it was stressful because... I would set out these two weeks. So it started off as like a two week thing. And um, I would pretty much have to shut down majority of the things in my life or I would build everything around this course for those two weeks. So I would say, okay, uh, let's just use, you know, February 1st through February 14th. I'm going to run the hair care course. You got to sign up, do this, do that. And people would be like, but that's the weekend. My dad is having his you know, 70th birthday and we're doing like they would send me all these stories and I'm like, listen, you said you wanted to learn black hair care. Like I'm offering it. Y'all gonna have to meet me halfway, you know? So that was one thing. It was always a scheduling conflict um, for many people. Um, And then people who did sign up, they would get in the class, but they wouldn't be available for the lives. And of course the lives were there later, but their questions weren't getting answered real time. And so that can kind of be a drain, you know, if you're taking this course, Um, And to be honest, from the business side of it, my price point uh, killed me. But I look back and think of it as an investment because that price point um, allowed me to make the mistakes that I was making at that time and not be, you know, put on a cross for it. And I look back because, of course, so that's that group still exists on Facebook. And I can go back and go through 
the couple of years of conversations and questions and pull from there to know what I need to offer now. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that price point really did hit me hard though. And it wasn't just that, it was like the price point at the salon, just me needing to learn how to run my business better. Those are the main things. And then um, from the consumer side, there was not a great way to go through the information. So there really wasn't an organization, like there wasn't an organizational component to Facebook groups at that time. Since mm-hmm. then they have tried to add in, you know, more organizational components. So like you can put things in um, chapters, I think. Um, I think they might've taken the feature away, but for a while they did. And they had it where you could organize stuff by using keywords, but all that came after I had already started my courses. So what I started using was the events. I started using the events and like finessing what was there to give my course some organization. But I still got a lot of feedback from people like, hey, I wanted to know about, let's just say cornrows, for instance, and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, okay, so how can I fix this? Um, So a lot of that got fixed by moving it over to a platform that's specifically for teaching online. The other part got fixed of just, you know, hitting your head and having to learn to do better, having to learn to charge more. Um, mm-hmm. And so now I don't have the scheduling conflicts anymore. I mean, people still write me about it here and there as far as their one-on-ones, um, but I also have a system for that. So now they have a link that they can use to reschedule their one-on-ones. Um, yes. And it's an evergreen course, so they can log in at any time. So some people who offer online courses on different subjects will do this model where they have launch dates. Even though it's the same material, they'll have these launch dates. And it creates anticipation for people. It creates urgency. And it's a great marketing tactic. But for me, it wasn't a good fit. So I just keep it up all the time and people can log in whenever they get ready. And that's pretty much how we solve those. Okay. Look, you got a game plan. Yes, ma'am. You got to come up with something. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's insanity when you keep making the same mistake over and over again. Yes. You look. You're right about that. We're going to take it back. How long have you been natural? I have been natural, honestly, majority of my life. So there was a couple of stints where I gave into the creamy crack. There was a high school. So my mother, let's start there. My mother put a relaxer in my hair when I was about nine, 10. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was not good at doing hair, even though my grandmother was a cosmetologist. And so my mother was pregnant with my brother or getting ready to give birth to my brother. And I'm sure she was looking at her life and saying, I need to take some stuff off my plate. So somewhere in there, she decided to put a relaxer in my hair. Um, We didn't know that, you know, you still have a lot of upkeep. Otherwise, the hair is not going to be healthy. So clearly that didn't end well. (laughs) And then high school, I was on my own and I was tired of getting teased. I used to wear twist out. Twist outs were not popular at the time. And I remember one time I took pictures with my friends and they told me I look like this character off of Simpsons. Um, wow. It's a really cute picture, but my hair was in a twist out. I had a little headband on the front. Like looking back, there was actually nothing wrong with my hair. It was just that it was not popular at the time. And the kids teased me and told me I look. And what was crazy is they were telling me and I didn't get the joke because when I was little, I wasn't allowed to watch Simpsons. So I didn't know who the character was. Somebody had to show me the character. And so... um fast forward I'm in high school and I'm on my own and I'm kind of tired about people talking about my hair and I'm just trying to figure out like what can I do to look you know more I don't not cool but just look more put together or get teased less hell get teased less Mm -hmm. so I walked myself into a salon I'll never forget this I walked into a salon that's inside the Kroger 
um, in West End Atlanta on Cascade. It's right where Cascade turns into, or uh, whatever the street is, turns into Cascade, Ralph David Boulevard. And there was a salon in there. And I told the stylist, and she wasn't an older stylist. She had to be in like mid twenties, maybe early thirties. And I told her like, hey, I need a trim and I want my hair relaxed, you know, in a cute style. Now mind you, I'm a teenager. Girl, she cut my hair so short and she put a relaxer in. But by the time she got done, I looked like I had somebody's great auntie style. Wow. I know you're so mad. (laughs) My feelings were so hurt. And on top of that, like, I'm already by my, like, I'm already by myself. My mom, it's a whole nother, like, family issue type story behind that. But I'm literally in Atlanta by myself. So I'm already, you know, there's a lot of things that are not in support of me, right? And so I spent my own money because I had my own, I had two jobs at the time or whatever. So I spent my own money. I was really hopeful about this this um, appointment. I thought it was going to take, like, it was going to, you know, give me some happy moments in life. And this lady made it worse. <laughs> And so I left feeling like something was wrong with me because I went into a salon. um, I asked for a relaxer and I asked for a trim and I still came out looking crazy. I did not come out looking, you know, pretty or any of those things. And so I internalized a lot, that a lot. And that was um, the last time I did a relaxer. Wow. Yeah, I'll be mad. Girl. But I didn't even know to get mad at her. Like I was frustrated. But again, I I internalized it so much that I I thought, well, it must be something wrong with my hair or me because, you know, I just didn't I just didn't know that it was it was her misinterpretation of what I asked for. It was her not giving me an age appropriate style. It was her lack of professionalism and communication. I didn't have I didn't have any idea of that. Yeah, none. It was more of. Come on in. I'm taking money. I'm mm-hmm. gonna do what I can, and I'm seeing you out the door. Yep. Wow. Yep. So after that experience, you stopped using relaxers at that time, mm-hmm. right? And then you started. Well, trans- oh, go ahead. So my transition started in Missouri. So I had to move to live with family members in Missouri, and I had a friend in high school. Her mother. I don't know if her mom was a cosmetologist or what. You know, you get in those situations, and somebody tells you, well, "I know how to do hair." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so we had a dance and picture days coming up, and so I let my friend, who was, um, she was much more put together than I was. Let's put it that way. And she didn't get teased, and you know she got all positive attention. So I felt like between her and her mama, this would be a good fit. So I let her relax my hair a couple more times, and we did some styles, and they were much more age appropriate. But it was after that year, so that was senior year in high school, I was really done with relaxers. I stopped trying with relaxers after then. Okay. Was your transition hard from relaxed back to natural? Did it take you a long period of time to like really get back in the groove since you like left it? Or was it like, bam, I got this? Well, it was definitely not bam, I got this. Um, I've not had anybody ask me these questions. It's so good. So I'm trying to remember that portion of my life. So, okay. When I turned 18, I went back to Atlanta on my own. Mm-hmm. And I know sometime after there, I went ahead and got my hair cut. But I'm trying to put the dates together. Nope, nope. I went to, I took a year off and went to school. Okay, so what it was, was a lot of slick back ponytails. I'm sorry, I had to think about pictures in my mind and like <laughs> put it together. So there was some hardship of like growing my hair out. 
I didn't know exactly what to do. Now I'm, I was a kitchen chemist all throughout that time because I had eczema really bad. Mm-hmm. And so I started being a kitchen chemist when I was like nine, 10. Again, that was a real pivotal age while my mom was pregnant with my brother. Um, and so by this point, I'm kind of good at some recipes. I know there's some, you know, uh, ointments, herbs and stuff that I can mix together. And I had done some of that, but I didn't know how to put all the pieces together. So there's a lot of slick back ponytails with that good, good pro style. You know, your hair is hard as a helmet trying to hide (laughs) the differing lengths and the fact that I didn't know how to pull it all together. There's some Bantu knots going on in that time, which was actually a cute, you know, side. And it was the healthier choice. I didn't know that though. Yeah. Um, And then... I went to Fisk, so I took a year off from school and then I went to Fisk. And I think by that point I had grown most of it out and I was back to natural. And I think at that point I was rocking more cornrow styles with extensions, if I remember correctly. And I didn't even mean to laugh, but that helmet, I think I experienced that. (laughs) I don't know what was going on in everybody's mind. Like, that was so cute. (laughs) Me and that that helmet, helmet, we were friends. When I, girl, we had a whole relationship for a couple years. (laughs) And it was like, this good, but it was damaging your hair. It was like, so damaging. My hair was so dry. And then if you had to scratch your head, then you had that little brown stuff under your nails. I remember somebody caught me doing that on the school bus because we used to ride monitor to school and I remember somebody caught me doing that on school bus and made fun of me about that girl so embarrassing it's not dirt it's gel and it's because I put half the more than half the jar on my head now chill out lord Jesus those days look I remember them days <laughs> love hate relationships they got me through yes so during college years you were natural and then after that you decided to, and this I'm just making assumptions. Yeah. After that, you decided, like, you would start making stuff at your home, or well, wherever you was located, you started making stuff. How did that stuff started you on your journey to where you are today? So, after Fisk, where did I go? I went to Missouri, back to Missouri, my family is. I ended up getting a fade. My hair, at this point, had a decent amount of damage. No, actually... I had gotten all the damage off. Don't ask me how, because I kind of don't remember right now. It's fine. But my hair, for the most part, was all natural. But I have a lot of hair. Like, as far as density, I have a lot of hair. And I've always had a lot of hair. And my good friend from high school, again, not the one that got a lot of positive attention, but another one. Um, So we're, you know, young adults. We think we know what we're doing. I especially think I know what I'm doing because (laughs) I've been living on my own. You know, got this whole sad story. Like, girl, I'm doing this. But her family... (laughs) her family had long hair and most of them had relaxers so at that time in their life now this is gonna be funny I'm I'm gonna bring this back around at that time in their life they're like Kanisha you need to do something with your hair so I'm like all right you know auntie can you hot comb my hair girl she must have fried the crap out of my hair when I got to when I (laughs) this is the damage this wasn't even a relaxer so I survived the crack I survived the creamy crack I get to adulthood young adulthood let somebody press my hair one time and my hair is fried so I go to shampoo it it will not curl back up in multiple spots I got all these stringy spots it's breaking off it's a hot mess so that is when I went and go got a fade so my friend from college um love her to death she had started dating this young man that lives in Kansas City because she came up to visit me or whatever and so he told me about his barber 
So he tells me, you know, where to go. They go down there with me. The barber gives me this cute cut. I mean, he has like, when I look back, as far as me having a fade, he has to be my favorite barber still. And I don't know where he is. I don't even remember his name. I'd have to ask her to ask her husband because now that's her husband, what his name was. That's but so he gave funny. me this cute fade, like kept my line in the front curved and natural. Like the middle was natural and the sides was curved. He always took care of me. My haircuts was no less than $30 and I did not care. Did not care. Like, take my money because you keep me cute. So that summer, I'm jumping in and out the pools. Like, life is great. I got waves. And, you know, I'm a young adult and I'm grown. So I'm out here being grown. Um, <laughs> is it mostly adults that listen to your podcast? Yes. No. Okay, so in short words, I'm shitting on them. I'm telling boys, like, man, I got more waves than you. Come <laughs> correct. If we gonna go out, girl, it was a whole good time. So... <laughs> <laughs> So at that moment, my kitchen chemist skills was mainly used for my skin just to keep my eczema in check. So, you know, making scrubs and making um, body butters and things like that. It really wasn't for my hair at that moment. Okay. So, so fast, fast forward, forward to now. Mm-hmm. We're making products and this whole journey of taking care and teaching people how to take care of their natural hair. So in the middle of all this... Um, so, okay, back in high school, I said I had a job. My job at that time, well, I had two jobs. My my main job at that time, the one I actually enjoyed, was being a light and sound tech. And then the other one was Chick-fil-A because my best friend worked there, so whatever. Um, fast forward up until 23, 20, yeah, 23, I had been working as a light and sound tech, always backstage, always at some event, some convention, whatever. Well, then I got knocked up. And you can't climb ladders and carry lights or heavy cables or, you know, be crossing across fields with these heavy electrical cables uh, while you're knocked up. It doesn't work out well. So the doctor was like, hey, you need to sit down somewhere or do something else. And so I looked at my grandma's life. My grandma had raised six children, um, helped raise her grandchildren, raised three husbands on and used cosmetology regularly to keep everything together. She had a couple of jobs in between, but grandma was known for her cosmetology skills. And so I said, if my grandma could do it, then I should be able to do it, especially through yes. the hardships that she has, you know, been through and survived and kept us all clothed and fed through, you know, which that's grandma. That's grandma. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so then I looked up whether or not, cause we were going into a recession. So I looked up whether, what were the, uh, job fields that were recession proof and barbering and cosmetology was top of the list. So I was like, well, I got nine months. I'm knocked up. You know, cosmetology in Missouri takes about nine months. It's 1500 hours. So I said, all right, this is what I'm doing. So I went to school for cosmetology. Um, then I finished um, during cosmetology school. I realized I like working with kids more than adults. Me and adults have some issues. Yeah, (laughs) and I love being backstage so I came out of cosmetology school thinking I was going to be a platform artist I didn't know how to do that though like I saw them and I knew that I could do it I had no idea how to get from just graduating school to being that so if I tried like I heard people say that well you need to win awards at shows I got this new baby I I can't go to Bronner Brothers like it just didn't seem feasible so yeah. three years after being out of school and trying to like work in a salon and do it the regular way and still being broke, I was like, well, let me go back to school for my instructor's license because then I'll work in a school and I'll also be licensed to be a platform artist. There's no license that you need to be a platform artist, but you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, and you know, t- being in a steady space, place, this is a steady income. Man, that was a lie. That was a lie. It's a steady income, but you're underpaid. 
And so I'm like, all right, this ain't gonna work. Like I gotta come in here and clock in every day. I gotta tell y'all when I'm gonna leave and I'm still not making enough money to take care of my child and like my overhead. So I went back into entrepreneurship and uh, we're gonna fast forward a couple years. I ended up working in a children's salon in Atlanta and the lady who owned it didn't know what she was doing. She just opened it. She wasn't no cosmetologist. She barely had a kid. Her kid had just turned two. She didn't know how to deal with kids or running a salon. Wow. And so <laughs> the other stylists and I would come to work and we'd be like, girl, what? Like, ain't nothing about this set up to actually work with the clientele that we are working with or just to be a, a, a salon. Like the shampoo bowl was in awkward places. The kids would be crying. She didn't cite their crying by doing, it was just ridiculous. But I told myself at that moment, you cannot keep critiquing somebody else unless you're going to do your own thing. Amen. So, huh? I said, amen, you're right. <laughs> Until I did it myself, I needed to shut up. <laughs> so I finally made it to Des Moines, more hardships or whatever, but it pushed me, um, sent me into Des Moines, Iowa. And Des Moines is like a Blake slate. So if you're from a real city, you know, New York, Atlanta, any mm-hmm. other cities, California, anywhere in California, and you have drive and ambition, but you're in a place that has a lot of competition, so it makes it hard or it's a high overhead, go to these little places like Des Moines, Iowa. Now, you you got to deal with the learning curve because people's ne- you know people haven't heard of it or they're going to tell you you're crazy. You, you know, you're doing something that hasn't been done. It just hasn't been done here. So I started a salon there. And again, back to the transracial adoptive families, they came in and they showed me what they needed. And I just dug in. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. Wow. That's, look, that's smart strategy for your brand. I know that's right. <laughs> Thanks. Because most people don't think about stuff like that. They always try to go where it's already popping and happening. No, you got to go somewhere that's not. Nope. Go somewhere that's not because the need is there. And just, you know, be strong in your why. What you want in your why. And all that stuff sounds so cliche. Like, I would watch the YouTubes of different business gurus and, you know, all these different things. And they were like, know your why, know your why. And it sounds so, so cliche, but now I'm like, now I get it. Now I see why they tell you that, because that's, what's going to push you through when you got 10, 15 people standing around you daily telling you that what you're going to do won't work. What you're going to do is dumb. What you're going to do is crazy. This city don't have that. These people don't have the money. They not interested Okay, but then people was driving from nearby states. So somebody was interested, you know? Yeah, you're right about that. So you teach Caucasian women how to take care of African-American hair. Yeah. Or also, if they're um, mixed children, you teach them as well, right? Yep. What are some of the challenges that the moms be having or dads? Because you might have dads too as well. I do have a few dads. Um, Some of the major challenges is not actually the hair it's the cultural difference Mm -hmm. it's the lack of um it's the lack of valuing our beauty Mm -hmm. um it's it's not even having a baseline of where to start so that's some of the larger challenges so sometimes people will come to me with questions that are framed as hair questions but they're really more so cultural behavior, um, historic type questions, right? So if I wanted to, and there's some stylists out there that do teach hair care, and I don't know how they do it without without touching on some of these other subjects. Um, but if I wanted to solely just teach hair care, I don't feel like I would be serving my clientele well. Because I can tell you what brush and what comb to use, 
But if I, if you don't value your child's natural beauty, me telling you what brush and comb to use will never do anything. Because yeah. you're going to still be sitting there talking about how hard her hair is to deal with and why her hair don't do like her sister's. Uh, Because this one, her genes are, gen- are different. What do you mean? <laughs> you know, so... Um, I would say that some of my most challenging things, teaching hair care is easy for me. Um, But it's teaching those parts and getting them to understand and dealing with their pushback. I think that's the hardest part for me. For them, um, I've heard some of their feedback is they feel inadequate. So there is this um, lack of self-esteem when it comes to, okay, well, I have this black kid in 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 my household. I love her to death, you know, but I'm finally figuring out that this isn't the best look or her hair is always dry. Like I need to do something different. And so then it's like, well, who do I ask? Like, how do I figure this out? You hear so many things on, a, on the internet, like don't ask black people this because it's not their job and don't do this and don't do that. And I, I'm not saying that those things are wrong. I'm saying that it's hard when you are completely lost in a subject to even know where to start. When when you have so many um, views coming at you like that. Yeah, well, I'm going to speak on that behalf for myself. I think when people ask you questions about the culture, Mm -hmm. you should be able to explain to them because we're fighting so hard to let ourselves be known that when they ask us questions and they're not trying to, I mean, sometimes people do be trying to be funny, but Mm -hmm. majority of the time they really want to know because they don't know. Mm-hmm. They're used to saying racial slurs and all that other stuff, but when we take the time to educate them, maybe it will take them from being racist, race, a racist, and then actually have the knowledge of understanding our culture because our culture is so beautiful. It if is. Everybody take the time out to know our culture. You'd be like, "Wow, I did not know this." I think it needs to be a healthy balance too, though. Um, I definitely think that there are times that we should we should educate and we should share. Mm -hmm. But I also think that white people or people outside of our culture need to do their due diligence. There has been books written for decades. You know what I'm saying? And and now we have the internet. Please take some time out to do some research on your own. So I think that's where some of that is coming from is that there are people who don't want to do any of the legwork and they just want you to give them a checklist of how they cannot be racist. And unfortunately, racism is built so deeply into our whole life that it's not that simple. You're right about that. But also you have issues where people writing books that don't know nothing about the culture or making products that don't know nothing about the culture. They don't have, they're not, they're not. And the crazy thing about it is, okay, I'm going to say this. They're not Hispanic. They're not Asian. They're not nothing. Nothing ethnic about them. They nothing. white males. They white <laughs> males. And you like. They saw a cash cow. Hi, your hair, yeah. Your hair is nowhere near ours. Mm-hmm. You have Asian people. You have Hispanic people. You have a, all of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, the list goes on who have hair textures like ours. Okay. Mm-hmm. White people don't have that. And if you have them writing books. Because they listen to conversations, it's like wow. Or making hair products, it's like wow. How do I, can I trust that this is gonna work for my hair? And you don't have no issues, or you know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, um, you don't anything have anything that same. you got. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. In the transracial adoptive community, what is prevalent and grinds my gears is um, a white mom, an adoptive or foster mom, 
will learn a couple of things, jump on social media, and now they're demonstrating. You yes. know, now they're demonstrating their hair skills, and you got 50 billion other white women coming to them like, oh, well, what did you do? And so they're passing bad information to each other. But let yes. a black woman come, whether it's me, Tanya, something, something, you know, whatever. Like, it could be 15 other black women say, hey, I'm licensed, I'm educated, I've grown up with this hair, I've raised children, this is how you do it. And they'd be like, mm, I don't want to hear that. Like, I'm not sure if you're right. Like, can you tell me again if you really are qualified? Well, I'm going to go over here and go listen to Becky again because yes. I just... She she recommended this amazing book. <laughs> Girl. And then they capitalize on it. And the woman, there's a couple of them that are very, very prevalent and they are capitalizing and they never give credit. And like, I called one of them out on it because she wanted me to do a project with her. And so in our Zoom, because I said, well, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to record with you for your YouTube until we have a conversation. Looking to expand your brand nationwide? Well, look no further. For just a dollar a day, we can run your ad in our episode. If you want us to personally customize your ad, we can do it for a dollar 18 a day. So for 30 days, you can reach millions and millions of potential clients. So don't wait. Start today. So head over to kinkycarecoachepodcast.com slash product slash advertising and start growing your business today. Don't wait. Grow it today. And I recorded it on Zoom. And in that, she played crazy like she didn't know that white women were using her as an aversion to listening to the black women that are already in this space, already have made ways for people to learn. And I'm like, there's no way you don't know. There's no way you don't know. Like they verbally, they will type it out. I'd rather go watch this person and like put her name. I'm like, there's no way you don't know. Um, And then I asked her, well, why don't you pay homage to any of the black women that you learn from? In your videos, you talk about there was black women that teach you, but you never tag them. You never put their businesses. You never even say their name. If it was just your neighbor down the street, why you didn't tell us that Miss Johnson taught you? Why Why you can never call names? So she said it's because, you know, she learned just, you know, through the comments and there's no real way of knowing who said what. And then you're not an expert. You can't cite your sources. You're not an expert. Please stop doing this. Okay. I seen on your social media that you had, um, I guess someone was asking you information about how to detangle and comb for C hair mm-hmm. and try to get information of how to do it. And you, cause you posted this and I guess they was getting frustrated saying that they, <laughs> like, I don't know how to do my own hair. Um, typically inept and didn't know hair care pages, blogs, videos. Do you remember that conversation? Girl, it happened so often. I remember that one in particular, but, but, um, and they said, I'm definitely looking for pages and videos now and trying to learn on much as I can. Thank you all. And your response was, please educate yourself before taking any more black children. This is a part oh. of their basic hygiene. Yeah. So basically, the lady was getting frustrated and just like, oh, I, the conversation was like, oh, I can't do this type attitude. If you read, actually read, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't do this. This is frustrating. Uh I don't know what I'm doing and just, you know, making a little commentary. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you said what you said because before, educate yourself before you just say, I'm going to take on this pretty little brown skin girl. She might need help. Stop. Educate yeah. yourself. 
Yeah, because again, it's out here, right? So even if you don't come to me, um, which is fine, go somewhere. YouTube has how many people showing how to do our hair. And maybe they don't break it down the same way I do. That's okay. But you at least have some basis. What I find is that, um, unfortunately, white women will go into adoption or foster care and oversimplify it. And so they will think, well, I'm going to bring home this beautiful black baby and I'm just going to love her and give her Jesus. And that will be (laughs) enough. And when you call them on that and like, by the way, that's not enough. Like there's some things that are going to have to be done differently for this child compared to you because they're just different. Like it's not bad or anything. They don't, you know, some of them have a lot of pushback or that hurts or that um, makes them feel inferior or makes them feel inadequate. But my issue is before I go out and say I buy even a new bicycle, I'm going to look online at the different types of bicycles, right? And I'm going to try to figure out which one might be a good fit for me. These people, not all of them, but quite a few will go into foster care, check the separate box. There's a whole separate box on foster care applications for black children. They are considered high, what is it? Is it high risk? It's something um, where it's, so you have, when I filled it out, there was a box for children with disabilities. It's like physical disabilities and Mm -hmm. black children. Those were together on one box. And then there was a box for something else and something else. Long story short, they consciously, especially when you're fostering, you consciously make a choice to open your your home up to black children. But then you do no, no research. You do no, you don't put in any effort to make your house a safe home, a fulfilling home, a, you know, a, a, a home that this black child can thrive in for the time that they're going to be with you. Yeah. Cause and they got a- even more of a process. Yeah, because they got to understand they're here. They got to understand when they see their sister, because, you know, they adopted. Their sister, mm-hmm. like, oh, she can get in that water and her hair comes out. Baby, let me prep you and show you what you got to do for your hair, because our hair's mm-hmm. not going to be like theirs. After mm-hmm. we uh, we get water in our hair. It's, and it's not that our hair's going to be bad, but it's chlorine, and chlorine does something different to our hair. So let mm-hmm. me show you and prep you for this. And most parents white parents or any other that decides to adopt African-American children, they don't understand that. And they don't Mm -hmm. teach the kids this. So the kids is steady damaging their own hair without knowing. Mm -hmm. And then they come to someone like you and then they try to tell you what actually, like, I know what I'm doing. This is what this... No, no, ma'am, you don't know what you're doing. Mm Because if you knew this, she shouldn't have been in chlorine water just like that. You should instantly get that out of here. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna show you how to do it, and mm-hmm. that's the problem. Some people don't like to take criticism. Nope, they don't. And unfortunately, I'm not great at sugarcoating a whole lot of stuff. Like I don't do shit sandwiches very well. That's also why I had a problem in the Midwest. Midwest <laughs> loves shit shit sandwiches. I don't do them very well. Um, you know, like I just to me is it's I feel like it is a um it's time consuming to make a shit sandwich, and I feel like it's also in. in sin- insinuating that somehow you're not intelligent enough to comprehend the challenge and then make a solution. So I don't like when people come to me that way. Tell me what's, you know, what I need to improve on. And if you know how to do it, let's let show me and then let's get it done. So that's the way I approach hair care. And sometimes white women often, at least once a week are very appalled by that approach. Well, y'all gonna have to get over it because you decided to have black kids in your house and, and, and you'd want it to be a household that was supposed to be better for them. And it was supposed to, you know, 
um, be safe for them. Well, there's a couple of things you're missing and let's fix it. Like, that's all it is. Let's, yeah. let's learn the skills. Let's work together. Let's build your village around you. So your kid doesn't feel like the only black kid on this planet or feel like something is wrong with them. Because again, just like I had that situation in a, in a salon in Atlanta, in a black salon, you know what I'm saying? And I still internalized what went wrong there as something wrong with me. And I held on to that for a very long time. Imagine what a child who's black in an all-white household, all-white neighborhood, all-white church, all-white school feels like when yeah. their hair is not taken care of well and nobody is taking the time to learn how to do it. You're right. You're right about that. But sometimes I will say this. It, it do be our own kind that be trying to like, you know, not listen to okay Girl, we got okay. yeah we got our issues in our community that's for sure okay so we're gonna let, let that be known too sometimes mm-hmm. we'll be like really really if you don't know I, come on now really <laughs> <laughs> we definitely have some issues in our own community that's for sure so let's talk about your hair care brand okay so give a little bit about it and because i see that it's for children or is it just for children or adults can use it too so I use it all the time and I do have some adults that buy it for themselves. It's just my marketing is for children. So the niche that I work with, um, which is white adoptive parents and mostly white women, I have learned that you have to be very, very specific. You have to do, um, I don't want to say coddling because that's not quite the right word. Like people are going to take it in a derogatory manner, but you, if I had marketed this product as a all purpose for black hair, I would get so many emails about whether or not they could use it on their child. So I have to market it specifically and because it's on brand, right? I, yeah. I, I started out as a children's salon. I teach white people how to take care of the black kids hair. So I market it as a child's product. However, it is natural based. Um, I have plenty of adults who use it. I use it daily or, you know, when I need to moisturize my hair. Um, it's vegan friendly. So the product line consists of essentially five products, but I sell them in two sets. There's a magic three, which is the leave in the cream and the oil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is a shampoo and condition set. And, um, I try to keep everything really simple because again, I'm teaching people who are new to black hair care. So I don't want to make it overly complicated. I even mm-hmm. kept the names of my products really simple because I teach them the LCO technique. That's what the products are named. There's the L, there's the C, and there's the O. I know that's right. (laughs) You know, just trying to remove all barriers so we can get it right, you know? That's the reason I'm in this business. I want to empower parents to get it right, to be able to keep their child's hair healthy. I don't don't have to make it overly complicated. For what? You're right about that. Okay, look, you got a whole game plan. And ooh, you answer all my questions. <laughs> <laughs> so before I let you go, yes, anything you want to tell the world? I wish we could keep going and going, but you know, <laughs> well, I have a long call lined up right behind this. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, you know, I would say embrace your hair. Like right now, I'm going through the lock journey. I have these. Um, I'm not gonna call them micro locks because that is trademarked. I learned that the hard way. Um, I have these mini locks in my hair and this by itself is a journey. This is different than when I got that fade that first time in my early 20s, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is also coupling along with I am 30 plus and the things that happen in your face, that's 30 plus, right? Yeah. But just, <laughs> but just really embrace your hair and your and your body where it is. And for me, that's a journey. Um, 
But I think the sooner you learn to love yourself, learn learn to love your hair, the better everything else plays out in life. And I wish I had learned it a lot earlier. I wish I had learned it in middle school or earlier than that. But, you know, definitely then. Look, I'm glad that you're teaching it. Things that we did not get when we was younger, it's always good when you help someone out and teach them so they won't make the same mistakes that we previously made, especially dealing with our hair. So I commend you on that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I aspire to be a woman that I wish I had had in my life when I was a, a young person. You know, there's a lot of things that I look back and I'm like, if I had just loved myself, I would not have been in that daggone situation or I would not have made that choice. And so again, Amen. it sounds so cliche, loving yourself, right? And it sounds so simple, but it causes a world of trouble when you don't love yourself. Wherever you are in your life, in your hair journey, in your you know your fitness journey, wherever you are, love yourself right then at that moment. So then all your other choices in life are from a loving place and it will fulfill that. I always play this game before I let anybody go. Okay. Which one has to go? Bantu knots, twist out, braid out, or wash and go? And why? Ooh. Um, Bantu knots, twist out, braid out. And wash and go. Wash and go. Can we get rid of the term wash and go? Because it's misleading. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I want to get rid of the term, not necessarily the style, but the term. People be really thinking like, oh, I'm just going to wash it and go. Girl, okay. You try it if you want to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> I'm not fooling with you. <laughs> going to look like you got electrocuted. Go ahead. Go ahead. Try that, Frederick Douglass. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> so I'm still going to wash it go. Mm-hmm. The, the, the term, the term, yeah, not the style. The term, we gotta figure out something else. We need to call that something else a little bit more accurate. <laughs> Look, on the next podcast, we need to talk about the wash and go. Okay, the okay, we can do that. that next time. But tell everybody your social, um, social media sites. Even though I'm gonna link it at the end of this podcast, so they can be able to click book and get more education with you, especially dealing with their nat- natural hair with their children. But please tell everybody your social media sites. Yes, ma'am. So you can always find me at tutusandtennisshoes.com. That's the website. And then everything else is tutus, tennis shoes. Um, So let's see, social media. Let's Instagram is tutus underscore tennis underscore shoes. Facebook is forward slash tutus tennis shoes. Um, pretty much if you look that up or you look up Kanisha, it's going to pop up. All right. And thank you. Thank you for taking time out your busy schedule. Thank you. Me. And I really appreciate it because, like I said, I know you've been busy because I've been seeing all your posts and it be like lessons that you're teaching and stuff. So thank you for the opportunity of being on our podcast. We really appreciate it. Oh, I'm glad you gave me this time. I'm busy, but, you know, I, I enjoy these talks because my other talks, it's the same thing. And not to say I don't love what I do, but it's the same thing. And this is something, this is something, it's a whole different vibe. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's because it's about you and how you started your journey and what you got going on now, and that's a, that's a great thing about it. Because most people don't know the story behind it. They they oh, he or she might just think they know this and third. No, there's a journey that they started and they still on it. And it's Girl, <laughs> yeah. so look, this is this is the polished part. You see, you just see the ruffles. 
you you just see the part that got a little pretty. You that's yes. it. You don't see the struggle behind the tears, the sacrifices. Yeah. Yes. But I thank you and I appreciate you. You thank have you, a blessed day. You. you too. Bye. Bye. What's your takeaway from this episode? I'm gonna tell you mine. I had to use it on the clip on the flyer because what she said was like dead on. So I had to take that little clip and like wow and share it. What she said was she understand how a hairstylist could just teach hair care and not the culture because you could teach anybody to comb how to use a comb and brush, but you gotta teach them the beauty behind the hair. And I was like, wow, yes. That's what I'm talking about. You have to teach them the beauty behind your hair. You have to. You gotta be able to understand because they'll learn how to use a comb brush. But the beauty of natural hair is so amazing. And I thank Miss Kanisha for explaining that to us and giving us all <laughs> funny, funny content. She's hilarious. <laughs> and educating us. At the same time, I really appreciate you and looking forward to another interview with you. I will have all her links at the end of this episode. So feel free to click, even book your appointment so she can help you and educate you on your child's natural hair. Or if you're an adopted parent, she can, she's here to help you understand natural hair. So please book away. Okay, she is here for you. Do not forget to like, subscribe to our podcast on all podcast platforms. Go to if you have time, go to our Apple Podcast and leave that review. Let us know what you think. We appreciate it. Every review, every donation, everything that you do to our podcast help us support us and buying equipment and everything else. So we are truly, truly blessed. You can go to kikiheadculture.com to book an interview. So, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody that took time out to listen to our podcast. Y'all be blessed, and I'm going to leave all the links at the bottom. So, book your next appointment, okay? Educate yourself. Don't just go out here and just be doing it, just to be doing it, okay? Educate yourself. The more you educate yourself, the better, okay? The better. Be blessed, and until next time, and don't forget to like, subscribe, share. Leave a review and Google us, baby. Till next time. Bye. Little girl with the press curl. Age I got a jerry curl. Thirteen and I got a relaxer. I was a source of so much laughter. At fifteen when it all broke off. Eighteen and I went on natural. February 2002. I went on and did what I had to do. Because of this time to change my life.